What are we doing? Oh yeah, show. Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Have You Seen? Uh, I am Kieran Lefort and opposite me at the end of the table is Tom Webb. Hello. Uh, we have returned from our um, somewhat enforced absence. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, our apologies, technical issues blighted the original episode 17, so that has been scrapped, and this is the uh, shiny new improved version. Yes, indeed. Uh, and then... We had a week where neither of us were near each other yeah, enough to be able to record. Yeah, so. fates conspired in a way yeah. to keep us out of the same building for an entire week, Yeah, so uh, which had, is very rare. It is so. very rare. So we've had a, a little two-week break, but now we're back and... Uh, we have returned. Yeah, so um, I guess I should recap... The movie I pitched you all those weeks ago. Yes. Can you remember it? Just about. Um, so I pitched you X-Men First Class. Uh, the reason I pitched it to you was because it was one of the films last year that, um, you know, I wasn't that fussed about going to see it in the cinema. I didn't. I wasn't that keen on the original three movies they did. Um, but and everybody hated Wolverine. Yeah, well, yeah, X-Men Wolverine is just awful. Um but I gave this a go on on Blu-ray and enjoyed it far more than I thought I would, uh, and thought it's you know the the guys involved with it did a great job of just kind of pulling everything together and uh, making what seems like a very bad idea on paper work pretty well uh, as a movie. Um, so the basic premise is it's the origins of the X-Men as a group. Um, you see uh, Charles Xavier and. Uh, Eric Lyncher, who will become Magneto, kind of form a friendship and how they create a team of mutants with the help of the CIA. Uh, it's set predominantly in the 1960s. Um, and that's about it, really. Uh, I, I will always put the stipulation with any graphic novel movie or comic book movies that I have no prior knowledge other than the films themselves. So I don't, I haven't read any X-Men comics. So if anything I say is completely inaccurate as to the the uh the back catalogue then you know i can pretty much second that disclaimer yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. although not not perhaps not as totally as you yeah um okay well let's just what you know what did you think i was entertained without being engaged i think is the best way i can sum it up okay um it's all right yeah didn't blow me away it's okay. not the world's greatest superhero movie no um yeah it's just a bit meh yeah Interesting. There's some really good. There's some really good standout scenes and moments, and yeah. things are handled in kind of like non-obvious and creative ways. Yeah. Uh, but they're all just individual scenes. I didn't feel it added up to a whole right. coherent movie for me. Okay. I'd be interested to see what happens if they if they do a sequel to it and how they they move it on. Mm. But like I said, I think it must have been quite a tough job, given the all the people they had to please. Yeah. I you know the studios had to make the money back. The, you know, the comic book fans had to feel that they got what they wanted. The movie fans had to feel that they got what they wanted, mm. um, and kind of bring it all together. Which I thought, I thought they did pretty well, you know. And for me, Fassbender was the kind of standout performance in it. Yeah, um, Fassbender was just Fassbender for me. Really? Yeah, you're, you, you know, your typical Irish-accented German. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's. If you can hear that, everybody, that's my stomach rumbling. 
for some reason I'm unutterably hungry um, anyway we shall soldier on uh, yeah there's a certain level you expect with Michael Fassbender yeah. and the same with um, James McAvoy as yeah, well yeah absolutely uh, and they deliver yeah but they're kind of yeah you don't think they push it any further no not really uh, the surprise for me was Nicholas Holt who I thought was really good okay um, admittedly most of what I've seen of him is just about a boy where his haircut does all the acting yeah. for him yeah uh, but yeah, I was uh, I was really surprised with him. I thought okay. um, he made a he made a convincing Hank and he made a convincing Beast as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think um, this is one of those movies where you get the overriding sense that everybody was having a really good time while they were making it, yeah, and that doesn't always translate into a good movie. No, it do you think of the no. number of utterly appalling cookie cookie cutter comedies that come out of Absolutely, Hollywood yeah. where it's, you always say oh we had an amazing time on set yeah. and you watch and it's Norbit or Big Mama's House <laughs> yeah. or something terrible with Adam Sandler in it yeah yeah, no but I mean I think there are certain movies that kind of really benefit from that generally action movies I think mm. generally benefit from having a good fun atmosphere on set and not taking it quite so seriously mm. um that's one of my reasons why I think when you put the rock in something, it kind of gives it a bit of an oomph and a bit because he kind of lightens the mood and all that kind of stuff. He, it, this, we're going off topic. We here, are completely we? off uh, topic. But he yeah. has a habit. He's kind of forged a career of being the best thing in a bad film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, although I will stand by Race to Witch Mountain as being a really good kids movie. Yeah, I if I was seen eleven, that. that would probably be my favourite movie in the world ever. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I should. I, should do. I will tell you what. I'll watch it again, and if I still think it's good, I might pitch it to okay, you. Okay, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, yeah. we should get back to X-Men we should yeah um, on the subject of Nicholas Holt actually one of yeah. my favourite scenes is um, <laughs> which you probably didn't appear much in is his transformation into Beast which yes. you see entirely from, from yeah. Hank's point of view yeah, yeah. Um, and in any other superhero movie that would just be your standard what's happening to me yeah uh, kind of like shot all shot from outside but this is entirely through his eyes yeah uh, and you kind of feel it along with him and that i really liked yeah I, I think matthew vaughan is quite um quite creative in that sense i mean i know you haven't seen kick-ass but it, mm. it, you know he you know this is effectively his second comic book movie or graphic novel movie whatever you want to call it. um so the style is very visual but he kind of i think he um he draws the characters out more. So, I mean, mm. for example, you take anything by Zack Snyder that look amazing and look exactly like any graphic novel, yeah. but that there's no depth to it at all. No, Snyder is surface, surface, surface. Yeah, for example, Watchmen looks exa exactly yeah. like the graphic novel, yeah. but doesn't touch anything below yeah. the surface. Yeah, and uh, but I think uh, Matthew Vaughan kind of goes a bit deeper than that and he's kind of, you know, puts the character... Uh, certainly, you know, nearer the forefront, and then just kind of uh, pulls in some nice visuals to add to it rather than detract from it. I'm squinting at my notes, my terrible handwriting here. I've written a word I can't read, and then knife scene. Is there a knife scene that was particularly good? Is it the, the the kind of weird Mexican standoff thing in the in the bar with oh, where he yes. it's the two Nazis? Where, yes, where yeah, Magneto yeah. kind of yes. I, I love that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the scene well one of the scenes to me which makes me think that Michael Fassbender might be making a James Bond audition reel. Yeah. And you know what? I thought I know there uh, there's a new one being released next year. I thought Holt might have been uh making himself a uh, a Clark Kent audition reel. Oh, really? In his Hank performances, yeah. Really? 
Mm. To be honest, I think he could probably do it. Really? Yeah. Clark Kent, definitely. Yeah. I don't know if he'd be Superman. He'd probably be Clark Kent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he'd Um, be a good Clark Kent. I don't think he could be Superman. Uh, Another quick note I've got written after that terrible scribble is uh, the accidental outing of McCoy. Yes. Yeah. Where they they go to visit the... Mm. uh, with. Oliver Platt. Yeah, they they go to visit uh, uh, the, the facility. Yeah. Uh, and um, Charles, because he's telepathic, Knows. is the only person in the room who realises that Hank is a, is a mutant. Yeah. And, but doesn't know that Hank hasn't told anybody else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and kind of accidentally outs him in front of his boss. Yeah, there's some lovely little touches like that. Mm. I love the stuff with McAvoy and Fassbender going to recruit the mutants. That yes. little kind of montage stuff is brilliant. In particularly the Wolverine cameo. Yes, yeah. Uh, which is, uh, I'll, I'll admit, had me howling with laughter. Yeah, me too, because I, I kind of had an inkling from what people had said that there would be a, a, a cameo by Hugh Jackman. I didn't think it could be as brilliant as it is. There's a bunch of uh, interesting cameos. There is uh, one shot where Re- Rebecca Romaine is Mystique. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, who else? There's a bunch of like these venerable actors show up. Um, I wrote them down, and now I cannot read my own handwriting. Well, they kind of foreshadow the other movies by um, the first time Xavier uses uh, the kind of prototype Cerebro. You see young... Uh, Storm and Cyclops, like as kids, uh, discovering their powers, kind of thing. So he he's aware that they are there, um, but he just doesn't happen to go and recruit them in this movie. So it kind of nicely foreshadows the other X Men movies where we know we're going to get to see those characters. Oh, I, di- I, I didn't mean characters; I meant actors. Oh, right. uh, uh, Michael Ironside, yes. uh, James Remar, and Ray Wise all turn up. Yeah, even, yeah. even some of them are like two shots, yeah, and that's it. Yeah, but that's kind of. I, love kind of, that, I like all of those people. Yeah, I love the fact that Ray Wise appears in what is effectively a perfect replica of the War Room from Doctor Strangelove, mm. which would have come out about the time that this film was set. Yeah, um, which I thought was a really nice touch. Um, there's some, uh, you know, really nice little uh, kind of touches and cameos and foreshadowing and all that kind of stuff in it. I'm trying to find other stuff I like before I lay into the stuff that I don't. Right. Um, I was impressed with Michael Fassbender managing to uh, knock off four languages in one movie. Yes, yeah. All with an Irish accent. <laughs> yeah, he does segue between them pretty well. Uh, I thought actually Kevin Bacon did a pretty good job with the German at the beginning. He sounded I can't pretty convincing. Work out, I can't work out if it is him actually doing it or if, or if he just did it phonetically and they redubbed him later. I don't know, quite possibly. anything up to like 70 to 80% of a Hollywood di- yeah, yeah, of dialogue yeah. in a Hollywood movie can be ADR, so recorded later. Absolutely, yeah. And it's entirely possible. I mean, he could have recorded it later. I yeah, guess. true, yeah. true. Um, he gets one of the more inventive deaths I've seen in uh, cinema for a while. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed that. Um, uh, and the scene where uh, Lencher goes to the bank with the bar of Nazi gold. Yes. Uh, and you see the reflections of the two people yeah. in the conversation in the gold bar that's just yeah. been laid on the table. That's another very Bond-like scene. Yeah, yeah. And also one of the things that uh, Matthew Vaughan handles well. Mm, Something yeah. he does do very well, actually, is montages. All of yeah. the montages in the film are, are really good, really yeah. well put together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they have um, they they kind of hark to a kind of quite a 60s retro style, but 
maintain a very modern feel at the same mm. time there's you know there's a subtle use of split screen in some of them um and it kind of it makes you kind of get that hint of that era without losing the fact this is a very modern movie yeah i think one of my complaints actually would be it's not 60s enough it doesn't yeah. feel or look 60s enough right. i mean there's some the new mutants yeah when the young mutants all have very 21st century haircuts and styles yeah. of dress and that kind of pulls yeah. you out of that I, I wonder if it's um you know you wonder if that's like a studio thing or whether it's you know outside forces or i don't not. know or just somebody not paying attention to the brief or Maybe, could be anything I don't know. um i have plot issues right as always because there are plot <laughs> issues like charles xavier's brilliant plan to avert nuclear war yeah. is to influence a russian yeah. to fire a missile at a ship carrying nuclear weapons yeah brilliant plan brilliant plan well it's just you know sink the ship yeah, and nuke a little bit of the well, Pacific you, while we're at it. It, it wouldn't necessarily work like that. Mm. I, seriously, the science... I, to create a nuclear explosion, you have to have a very... You have to have a chain reaction. Mm. And it's a very specific sequence of events. And there's no way that an exploding missile hitting a ship and causing an explosion could set off some kind of nuclear chain reaction? Not necessarily, reaction? no. Mm. I think the chances are actually pretty slim. You, you might get uh, a bit of radioactive seawater for... 100 years for 100 years <laughs> that's a three-eyed fish floating <laughs> yeah, around yeah. yeah but you I d you wouldn't get like a you know an ex a mushroom cloud like you're expecting mm. i think uh, as far as i understand nuclear weapons which isn't great deal um you have to have a very specific sequence of events you have to have two materials that are combined in a very specific way to create the fusion uh, not the fusion fission fission fusion I can't remember which one it is. Fisher, okay, I think. one or the other. Yeah. Um, whatever it is that splits the atom. It has to be done very specifically, otherwise it doesn't actually work. If any nuclear physicists want yeah. to uh, explain this in English to uh, hyspodcast at gmail.com, we'll happily read it out. But yeah. it must be in English and we must both understand it. Yeah, and it, yeah, this has to be, yeah. Can you, can you set off a nuclear weapon by effectively trying to blow it up? Or does it have to go? I would the, say yes. I don't think, I don't think it would. You might get like a radioactive I imagine if you area. hit a nuclear power station with that missile and it exploded, you cause a nuclear reaction and a big nuclear explosion. I'm not so sure you would. Mm, I think there's a difference. There's a difference between blowing it up. Okay, let's say this. Let's in received movie logic. Right. I yeah, think it. Yeah. Uh, okay. It, it certainly would. Right. Fair enough. I would expect it to. Let's okay. say. Okay. Let's let's at least say that. Okay. If if you see like. A barrel that's got, yeah. or a, there we go, a missile right. that's got "I am nuclear" written on it, yeah. and someone fires another missile at it that explodes. Yeah. I would expect the uh, the nuclear one to go up, causing a massive explosion and killing everybody in the area. Right, so causing an actual nuclear explosion, yes, like a proper mushroom cloud. Yes, like exactly. Okay, right, exactly. And that's just yeah, the same way you know cars blow up if you shoot at the petrol tank, right? Okay. Whether they would or not, yeah. it happens, and it's kind of it's received movie wisdom, right? Fair enough. So anyway, but beyond that, <laughs> yeah, I just hit my microphone cable. Beyond that, yeah. Um, What's his name? Sebastian Shaw. Yeah. Or whatever his German name was. Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Why he and his cronies, the mm -hmm. man with the hurricanes for hands yeah. who doesn't speak, and... Um, Jason Fleming. Jason Fleming, who speaks a little bit. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, on the actually on the subject of um, Azrael, Jason Fleming's character, yes. I like his method of killing people. Yeah. Which is to teleport in, grab them, teleport away somewhere very high, let them go, and teleport back to Earth again. <laughs> yeah. That's quite inventive. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, uh, Kevin Bacon and cronies mm. uh, attack the facility where the young mutants are being held. Yes. They fight, they disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, they recruit a new member or two, yeah. and off they go. Um, then Lencher and Xavier come back in their Swish 60s car. Yeah. Why do none of the uh, kids tell Xavier that Shaw is a mutant? That is suddenly it, comes as a surprise to him later on. Does it? Is it given away at that moment that he is a mutant? Yeah, he uses a power, doesn't he? I don't think he does. I don't His think energy he, power. No, I don't think he does anything. Hmm. I'm sure he does something in that scene. Oh, Bearing yes, in mind, we've now gone for three weeks since I've seen this film, and I have yeah. the no, short-term right. memory no, of the bloke d- in Memento. No, he does. He does. He does use his power there. Yeah. Yeah, I no don't know No one thought to say, holy shit, he's got a superpower like us. Yeah. No, I don't know why or at least, Or at least just like a second of Xavier reaching into somebody's mind, seeing him using the power, going, hmm... This might be a more formidable foe than I thought. Yeah. No, I think I'm pretty sure he only finds out when uh, Shaw takes the protective helmet, what will become the Magneto helmet, off yeah. at the end when he's fighting. Um, I think he knows before that. Hmm. I think he knows long before that. I think he knows on the submarine where he meets um, Eric for the first time. Maybe he does. I think he knows. It's never stated. That. No, it's and not. And he never acts like he knows he's up against another no. mutant. I guess. I just assumed he knew. Hmm. Anything what else? else? Is, yeah, what else is weird? Uh, the CG 1962 Las Vegas is a bit ropey. Right. Um, how does... Yeah. In between 1962 yeah. and... Nine, uh, is 1999 the uh, yeah, first whenever. singer yeah. movie? Okay. Mm. How does possibly 5'2 inch roundy Jennifer Lawrence turn into 5'10 of Rebecca Romaine in the, in the ensuing 30 years? Because she's mystique. She can turn into whoever she likes. Hmm. There you go. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I shut you up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Why is the CIA bird wearing wedges on a combat mission? Standard issue, <laughs> you think? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and ladies, this is your uniform. <laughs> yeah. Combat heels. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do have a little note here. When uh, Magneto is using his power to raise the submarine, that's kind of like a... a an unspoken thread that runs through mm, and yeah. I guess it's to show how his powers grow where he's, he starts off moving little yeah. objects well, it's um, to show how Xavier helps him yeah, yeah. And, and encourages him yeah and he's trying to uh, towards the beginning he's trying to stop a submarine from getting away by essentially just being a big magnet yeah. and pulling it back towards him and then at the end he lifts the submarine out of the I'm doing all the gestures with it <laughs> we really need to get a webcam in here one day um, yeah he lifts the submarine out of the water using his powers yeah thereby giving everybody on board the bends. <laughs> they, yeah, I don't think they're that deep. You have to be quite deep to get the bends. Do you? Yeah. Mm. I think it's 30 feet plus. 30 metres plus, maybe. Okay. I don't know I know as much about submarines as I do about <laughs> right. nuclear physics. And Both it, oh, of them actually, scare me to, to um, a significant degree. No, because they're in a pressurised environment, so they won't get the bends. Okay. You only get the bends if you have pressurised air in your lungs and then you come up to sea level without any protection. You have to be decompressed, as it were. Science, children. Today we are yeah. teaching you science. Also yeah. me. <laughs> um, like I said, I was entertained but not engaged. Um, there was too many kind of, too many crap effects, too many toe-curling references. 
Right. There's, yeah, there's, they do some subtle winks and nods yeah. to stuff that's going to come up and then some throw a couple of clunkers into the dialogue as well yeah. just to make sure Johnny Multiplex gets it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all right. I don't know if I'll watch it again. Okay. Um, the end song's terrible. I didn't notice this. Oh, I always watch every movie to the end of the credits. Right. I can't help it. Right. And the song that plays over the credits here is arse-puckeringly bad. Well, I, I quite often I don't notice. Hmm. I'm probably too busy kind of thinking about the film or talking to someone about what we've just seen. Hmm. You know. See, your big picture, I'm detailed. <laughs> yeah, That's absolutely. How it works. Yeah, yeah. That's how it works. Um, some customer feedback on X-Men First Class? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Oh, uh, about the title. Yes. I noticed that the you don't get a title card until nearly 10 minutes into the movie, mm-hmm. and even then, it's just X First Class. Yes. So, going by the BBFC rules, that's the title of the film. Really? Yeah. Ah, how come? Does it have to be... It, whatever appears on screen is the official title card, which is why 7 has a 7 in the middle of it. Right. That's the That's the official title of the film isn't there another one at the end can you do that because some movies don't don't have them at the beginning they have them at the end yeah true so that's intriguing I just noticed there was there was a lack of men so to speak (laughs) (laughs) alright customer feedback what we got well uh, some long ones or some short ones we should probably do some short ones yeah oh let's do this nice one star one I can see here okay I actually like the X-Men I don't think that the director of this film does, as he decided to concentrate instead on that old stalwart of very thin young women parading around in fantasy underwear. There is an instance of foul language, which is, I suppose, as close as the scriptwriter could get to witticism, and a scene of bondage and strangulation, which seemed to me, and a scene of bondage and strangulation, which seemed to me to be a little short of perverted. As the final insult to anyone of any intelligence or sensitivity, this load of codswallop uses the Holocaust as some sort of narrative backdrop. My copy is in the bin. The five-star review. Okay. Not including Harry Potter in this lineup, this has got to be the best film of the year. Having never seen any X-Men before, I decided to watch this as, in a way, this is the first film. Certainly timeline-wise, anyway. I was amazed at how good this film was, and I immediately went out and bought the X-Men quadrilogy. Well, you're in for at least one disappointment in that lot. <laughs> yeah, well, I can... Uh, no, four. You're probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't believe it's taken me so long to get into X-Men. I'm really into my superheroes as well, so this film is a must-buy for me, as well as every other sci-fi fan. <laughs> Let us chug on to Warrior. Yes. Which is what I pitched you last week. Yes. Uh, on the uh, recommendation, uh, nay, uh, bullying of one of our colleagues, who yes. pretty much beat me over the head with a DVD for a week right. uh, until I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um a quick sum up. Uh, the youngest son of an alcoholic former boxer returns home. We don't know where from. Uh, he's just been away for a long time. Uh, and he and his father kind of uh, reconnect uh, and train him for a uh, competition in a mixed martial arts tournament. Mm-hmm. Added to this is his... Uh, yeah, it's going to be older brother if he's the youngest son. Yeah, oh. he's the older brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Added to this is uh, his older brother, uh, who is, it transpires, is a uh, former UFC star, so big-time MIG martial arts fighter, fallen on hard times, supposedly retired, uh, who has been lying to his wife and rather than bouncing on doors has been fighting uh, for money at night. And he also 
enters this competition in Atlantic City, and mm. if you can't tell what's going to happen, yeah. then you're a bit dumb. Yeah. Tom, I don't think it's dumb. I think he's an intelligent man, and I think he has intelligent things to say about Warrior. Um, well, the thing about this movie is going in, you know what the final scene is going to be. Absolutely. I mean, you know where this is going to go. Um, what I found really interesting is that um, regardless of what happens in the end, I mean, you know what you know the, what the final scene is going to be. The two things you don't know is how you're going to feel by the time you get there mm. and what the actual outcome is going to be. Yes. Um, I Now, I watched this movie yeah. and I almost turned it off before it got to the final fight scene because I didn't want to see either of them lose. We're not going to tell you who no. wins and the actual outcome, we should no, say. I Usually think... we spoil films like crazy on this yeah, show, no, but I think no, we should this avoid is it. worth... Uh... Yeah, because I think that th- th- because of the way this movie works is that... Um, it's you know we could we could easily say what happens at the end, but I think if you I think people should watch this because I did really enjoy it. I thought it was excellent. an excellent film. Um, you need to go in because, like I said, you know what's going to happen, but you don't know exactly what the outcome is going to be, mm. and you know that there are effectively three outcomes: mm. uh, older brother wins, younger brother wins, or it's a draw. Yeah. Um, the way the movie works, the narrative is brilliant because it drip feeds you information yeah this is one that's very much all in the details yeah the overall story kind of it lays itself out in a fairly standard yeah. fashion absolutely but yeah character details and yeah. narrative details are, are fed in really woven in really well throughout the yeah. course of the film yeah i think it's basically uh the plot is a very simplistic uh sports drama mm. um what raises this above most sports dramas is the fact that this like you say the script is incredibly well written and the acting is absolutely superb on the uh, subject of the script the dialogue is all smart and believable yeah these are things that yeah not even clever people would say no these are basically this isn't, the, this isn't sorkin this isn't everybody no, no. The, speaks the, like one person and has the people in the an film, amazing vocabulary. Yeah, but the people in the film are intelligent, average people. Yeah, I mean, the older brother, his day job, he's actually a physics che- yes. teacher. Um, you know, the younger brother, uh, whose story we get fed, so so you know, is is no by no means stupid, and neither is Nick Nolte as the father. Um, but the the dialogue is written at the right level. All of the information is drip fed through. So basically, your your I hate to say the word loyalty because it's not really a loyalty, mm. but, but you start kind of sympathising more with one character through certain points of the mm. story, and then you get revealed a little snippet more about the other side of the story, mm. and you start to drift back towards the other side. So by the time you get to the obvious end scene, you are you just don't know what to think and you you genuinely sit there thinking i don't know how i'm going to feel about however this ends mm. because like you say you don't want either person to lose you don't want it to be like a, a hollywood cop out no um so it's it's an incredibly well crafted drama based around a very basic simplistic sports drama mm. um, i do think actually the best way to approach it is probably don't look at it as a movie. Look at it as a sporting fixture. Yeah, I guess. And yeah, yeah. pick your team and root for them when it comes to the when it comes to the final fight. Pick yeah, your absolutely, side. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
and I couldn't do that. No, no, I couldn't either. Um, I think one of the really g- good things about this is that um, I can remember ages ago when we were talking about the Senna documentary, hmm. uh, you saying that um, what was good about it was that it gave you the rough overview of the sport and the rules without really going into lots and lots of boring detail that would have switched you off as a layperson, if yeah, you like. Yeah. Um, and this kind of does the same thing. So uh, you're drip-fed the basic rules of UFC, i.e. it's in rounds, uh, you can have a knockout or a submission, uh, or the judges can score the score the match. Yeah. And and that, that's basically all you need to know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, it's, and it's presented to you without any kind of like, these are the rules that people have to follow. It's yeah, all yeah. kind of done just very naturally. Um, which I think is really good. It yeah. doesn't glorify the the sport of MMA or, or of UFC or anything like that. It doesn't kind of, um, you know, it doesn't kind of make them out to be big shots. It doesn't kind of, but you know, it kind of treats it with respect, but without mm. kind of going over the top or, mm. you know, mm. I, th- I think it pitches the level really, really well. Yeah, um, the uh, the actual MMA scenes I've seen. Not masses. I've seen, through my associations to professional wrestling and yeah. my, I've seen some of the real stuff as well as a lot of the fake stuff. Yeah, uh, and the MMA scenes are pretty spot on. They lean towards the more spectacular side of the sport. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you don't see anybody holding someone down for a points decision over five rounds. No. Uh, yeah. But all of the kind of the technique, all the fights are highly believable. Oh, absolutely. Apart from perhaps, uh, I think well, I might have covered this in the pitch as well. Uh, the stuff with Koba. Yeah, who the the Russian, the big Russian fighter, like the number one in the world, yeah, yeah. The, uh, who's played by a professional wrestler Kurt Angle. Yeah, um, and he has to kind of look not quite superhuman, but a level above everybody else. No, but the way they do that is to give him some unbelievable techniques. Like he do, he uses a proper proper full on pro wrestling powerbomb move. Yeah, he he does like a thing. Uh, is though, I mean, the only uh, sort of mixed martial arts I've seen is stuff that I've seen live being a cameraman at events yeah um and i have to say that on those occasions there was the odd occasion where someone would do something absolutely like really out of the box and you'd Mm. just be like how the hell did they even do that and it was you know it was a combination of you know luck and just going hell for leather yeah and they pull off something that looked that spectacular and you kind of think well for me it was kind of believable enough mm, do you sure. know what I mean okay. it, you know it wasn't too far removed from what, what I had seen previously mm. you know in real life also in terms of the combat something I like is um, each man uh, the two brothers fighting style yeah fits their character as absolutely, well absolutely yeah um, yeah very much so. Uh, Brendan, the older brother, is more experienced mm-hmm. and has a submission style, but he's also not very confident in his own skills once he goes to the tournament because he's a bit yeah. rusty. Yeah. Uh, whereas uh, Tommy, the younger brother, Tom Hardy, yeah. has uh, kind of the brash confidence of the newcomer, if you like, and he's the one-punch knockout artist. Yeah. And it's someone who fights straight ahead versus someone who fights in circles. Yeah. Uh, and that really adds to both characters, especially when it comes to the final fight. Yeah. You're going to see the two styles try and take each other on. Yeah, I think that... Um, one of the standout things in this movie are i mean the dramatic scenes with the actors are absolutely brilliant as you would expect from people like tom hardy and joel edgerton and nick nolte who we should mention actually hardy and edgerton have two scenes together and one of them is them kicking seven shades of crap out of each other absolutely yeah um the uh the fight sequences that they do or the the matches they do Mm. i mean they are they 
look fantastic and they genuinely look real. Oh, um, and both guys look like believable yeah, fighters yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah, and I think that's I mean I think that's what really really sells it because to me I couldn't work out whether those the bouts you see whether they were choreographed mm. meticulously to avoid injury mm. or whether they were just really trained up and we're told, okay, within this match, there's a couple of things we'd like you to do. These are where the cameras are. Uh, but, you know, if you if you can get in this kind of movement over here a bit or that over there, that'd be great. But if you don't, don't worry. And they just let them go for it. Well, maybe it was kind of done half and half, kind of right, essentially yeah. pro wrestling style, where right. guys will have like an outline of their match and some stuff they want to get in. Yeah, uh, and then they just kind of fill in the rest as they yeah, go. Yeah, kind of. But yeah. it's like, you know work with the guy yeah. if he makes a move to take your back let him rather than naturally fight it as you would you right. know, if okay. he puts his arm around your neck for a choke let him right gotcha yeah. so kind of cooperation yeah, yeah. it'd be uh, interesting to see actually how they did it because I mean, yeah, I've, stuff... I've never seen uh, anything about no. the behind the scenes aspect no about the behind the scenes rather sorry of that aspect of the film no no I thought, oh, I'll have to have a look online see if we can find something but um, yeah, it's, it's a really fantastic film. I urge people to watch it. Um, Nick Nolte is absolutely fantastic. Mm. And was, he was Oscar nominated. He was. For his I think he was the lesser of the three, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think he was great. Um, again, with you know, with the characters themselves, you, you can't pick between Edgerton and Hardy. They both hold dramatic scenes. Mm. They both hold out on the fighting scenes. Um, the one thing I really liked about this film, which a lot of sports dramas have a problem doing, is that obviously there's a lot of tension, a lot of arguments, and most, I would think, a lot of dramas that are kind of, you know, trying to evoke emotion in the audience, any argument is a shouting match. Mm. Top of your voices and the emotions are at their peak at all times. There's barely a raised word in this film mm. I mean there, there are strong voices there are, there are kind of heated discussions mm. but it, it felt more like real life it felt no, more no but there's never the I am acting yeah, shouting exactly. matches yeah. yeah I know exactly what you yeah, mean yeah they, they're, they, a beli- they're believable family arguments yeah absolutely and you know they do they do go at each other but in a very realistic way and I think it it pulls you in more and and stops you I think that stops you from suddenly deciding I'm completely sided with that person. Mm. So I think it helps with that kind of meandering sympathies mm. that you, you kind of need to make this really, really work. Mm. I'm going to touch on the one thing I didn't like, actually. Okay. Um, and it felt kind of shoehorned in and then kind of dovetailed its way in semi-naturally. Right. I almost gave up when Tom Hardy rang the Mexican woman. Right. And it became it suddenly it becomes a bit military focused in a way. I do know what you mean, but I think that felt really out of place until they kind of. But they, there's there's stuff they reveal more, after that yeah. that that kind of makes makes sense. Yeah. And I, and yeah, I think I don't think there's any other way you could have done that really. Mm, I, I don't think not. there was a I don't think there was a more subtle way of doing it. Put no. it that way anyway. Um, yeah, it's just a really great movie. Mm. Uh, interesting enough, when I watched it, um, my wife missed the first half. Because, I mean, basically, this is the film. It's roughly two hours. The first half 
is the character drama and the second half is the tournament. Yeah, it, and it's almost exactly like that. It's almost, almost exactly a one-hour split. Yeah. It's like the clock on your DVD player ticks over to one hour and it's bang, Atlantic City. Yeah. Um, my wife joined in just at the beginning of the Atlantic City point mm. and she got thoroughly engrossed just watching the tournament mm. part and I said to her, just imagine if you'd seen all the dramatic stuff beforehand how mm. how much you'd be invested in this mm. like i am because i've watched it through um so i'd like to watch it again with her in full and see what she thinks of the whole thing um yes i need to uh i need to find somewhere that's selling the blu-ray for less than 20 quid yeah absolutely yeah i'd like to get hold although of that. that's not saying this is not worth a 20 pound no, <laughs> i'm just yeah. aware that it's possible to get these things for less than that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um but no, a fantastic movie. Highly, highly, highly recommended. Excellent. Um, would like to hear uh, any feedback from people out there Definitely. via Twitter and Facebook and uh, All email. of our usual outlets that yeah. we'll read out at the end of the show. Yeah. Yes, I think this, uh, <laughs> although it's a completely different film, belongs on the same level as Shall We Dance to in terms of this show. And, I think uh, so. and show favourites. I think this yeah. is... Uh, yeah, I think you might be right, actually. Yeah, I really did enjoy it. I think it is right out there. Um, I think Shall We Dance still pips it for me, but yeah, definitely. I get well. That's a that's a lighter film that you oh, can enjoy with anybody. Yeah, yeah, this is, is uh, this is good, solid, grown up movie making. This yeah. is a this is a film for adults. Yeah, but not an adult film. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes any sense, if yeah. I can make yeah. I you, you don't sit down with your kids to watch this. No, this is, no, this no, is grown up drama. Yeah, uh, and it's as solid as they come. Yeah, uh, and a fantastic film. Mm. And Hammers have some cracking fights in it as well he does yeah very good the internet oh yes let's see what they thought yeah oh there's one in all caps so it's going to get the all caps treatment oh great this is a five star review it's not original it holds few surprises I should say there's like a a, a three or four dot ellipsis in between each of these okay. clauses there are no real superstar actors and it runs a little too long However, all things considered, if you like your films emotional, exiting, not exciting, well acted and beautifully constructed, ellipsis, you won't go far wrong if you spend your money here, two exclamation marks. Highly recommended, great performances, and I don't even like UFC or Nick Nolte. (laughs) Uh, And the other review I really liked uh, was uh, just, this is just a little paragraph taken out of a much longer review. Right. My wife detests any entertainment that involves blokes bashing the hell out of each other. Towards the end of this movie, she was jumping around the living room, shouting obscenities at the TV for the two protagonists to kill each other. <laughs> um, actually, uh, there's another one here, just a little note uh, that says, the only letdown as far as the Blu-ray is concerned is the picture. Right from the off, there is significant grain which can be seen and comes and goes throughout the entire film. I noticed this as well. Oh, really? And it's only on scenes to do with Tom Hardy's character. I think it's a stylistic choice. And the brothers in their individual scenes are shot with different stocks. Yeah. And it's a subtle thing. Yeah. Because I I noticed grain, but I only noticed it on the Hardy scenes. Yeah, actually I can see why that fits. Yeah, yeah, I can see why that would be an artistic choice, actually. Mm. I think picking up on the other point, though, um, is that uh, if you're listening and you're, you're a movie fan but you wouldn't go near this because of the subject matter, do. Because um, much like Senna, uh, it treats it in such a way that it doesn't matter if you're interested in the subject at all. The characters and everything are so engaging and so interesting, it's definitely worth your time. Absolutely. Um, 
Before we do pitches, okay, it, it's time for the weekly Debbie Edwards section. Okay, yeah, someone's let her loose on Twitter again. All right, um, she wants to watch conspiracy based on your your pitch, All right? Uh, but hasn't been able to track it down yet, All or right. at least as of when we received this tweet two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and she says, "Pan's Labyrinth, favorite film ever. Can't gush enough on Twitter about it. Get Kronos and the Devil's Backbone watched." Okay, uh, which are two other earlier yeah, uh, Del Toro Del films. Yeah. I do have Kronos on my. TV recording device. I just haven't got around to watching it right, yet. We'll have to uh, so, see if we can get hold of a copy. Yes, if I can find two hours, I shall. Uh, yeah, I shall do that. Right, pitches. Who's going first? I'll toss um, a coin. Let's see. Why don't you go first? Because my one this week is going to be really short. Okay. So, all right then. Um, we can link this to uh, X Men. In fact, really? Yes. In that this is. Another big uh, Fox hit from 2011. Right. Uh, Made an appearance on our best of 2011 lists. Okay. Uh, And it's kind of a prequel, kind of a reboot. Right. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Right. Excellent. I wanted to watch this, actually. Good. Marvellous. Well, I have a a Blu-ray for you. Uh, I'll get a quick kind of overview. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Franco plays uh, Will Rodman, who's a scientist working for a major pharmaceutical firm. He's trying to find a cure for Alzheimer's. Uh, the most recent iteration of his drug uh, appears to have worked on one of the lab chimps, uh, but the chimp uh, unfortunately goes nuts uh, on the same day as a, an investor presentation uh, uh, and has to be put down. Right. By put down, I mean shot in the heart by security on the desk in front of the investors. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, only after the incident uh, does Will realise that the chimp had given birth uh, uh, and had only been acting acting out to protect right. her newborn that she'd been kind of keeping hidden, secret. keeping secret. Uh, Will takes the baby home to prevent it from being put down after his boss decides to shut down the project right. uh, and decrees that all of the other chimps must be put down so he kind of he saves the baby uh, and takes it home uh, and notices that the positive effects of the drug seems to have been passed from mother to child oh okay and on we progress okay interesting the I like this film because um, it takes the blockbuster box yeah it's a big uh, expensive Hollywood summer blockbuster movie mm-hmm. uh, with probably the best effects of all of 2011's blockbusters right uh, the baby chimp is Caesar. He becomes named Caesar. Um, and from age three upwards, which is pretty soon in the film, mm. he is played by an entirely motion-captured Andy Serkis. Right. Serkis's performance mm. and the digital ape grafted onto him are amazing. Yeah, I've, um, I've seen little clips and it just looked phenomenal. It's, it's seamless. Uh it seems really daft to say, but Circus puts so much humanity mm. into that. And obviously he's aided by the digital yeah, manipulation right. afterwards. Yeah. Uh, but so much humanity and believability into that character. Mm. Um, I am astonished uh, and dismayed that he didn't at least receive a Best Supporting Actor nomination at the Oscars. Right. I think he was kind of robbed of that because yeah. it's one of the best performances I saw all of last year. Mm. Um it ticks all the big blockbuster boxes, but also, unlike a lot of films of the same budget, um, handles 
things that would be explicit and overt in very subtle and underplayed manners. Yeah. Um, stuff that, you know, you get one of my favorite slash least favorite things in movies is bad ADR exposition yeah. where somebody has gone, no, I don't think people will get that. Like, yeah, for example, yeah. the, I've seen very little of Captain America. I've seen some clips. Yeah. Uh, and there's a bit where he dies on a grenade to protect his unit. Yeah. And then he gets up and it's obviously a fake. Yeah. And you don't need telling, but somebody off screen goes, oh man, it's just a dummy grenade. Yeah. It's like, you don't need that. Right. This doesn't have any of that. Right. This, I think, um, in as much as it can do for this kind of movie, stay very true to the director's right. vision, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of waffling and going off topic a bit. Um, not only is Andy Serkis very good in here, there's another really good performance from John Lithgow, mm. uh, who plays, he's almost heartbreaking as uh, Franco's Alzheimer's afflicted father. Mm. Uh, and there's one particular scene, it lasts maybe 20 seconds, which is uh, Will, his dad, and Caesar all sitting down to breakfast. Mm-hmm. And Dad's Alzheimer's is kicking in a bit, and he tries to cut his egg with the wrong end of the fork. Right. And Caesar just very gently takes it off him and turns it over, so right. it's the right way up. Uh, and there's so much in that scene. Yeah, it's all really well played and understated. Like I said, I'd be amazed if it's twenty, thirty seconds long. Yeah, uh, but it's just a wonderful, quiet little moment. Yeah, and then at the end, you get the. The big you know, you get the big action yeah. stuff with apes beating the shit out of police officers. <laughs> right, yeah. um, I think it has. It's one of those. It sounds like a cliche, but it's one of those movies that does have something for everybody. Okay, I'm really looking forward to see it. I mean, I've seen. I don't know if I've seen all of the original apes movies because there are four or five. Oh, there's a whole ton plus a TV yeah. show plus a cartoon uh, so, series. Yeah. I will say, actually, it's probably worth me putting my hand up. This is my first and only apes movie. Okay, because I've definitely seen three of them. Four of them, I've definitely seen. I know I've seen. I know I've seen Planet of the Apes, Beneath the Planet of the Apes. I know I've seen... Is it Conquest? Well, there's something called Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, but I don't know if that's the TV show or, the, or a movie. No, Return to Planet of the Apes is a TV show, I think. Okay. Um, I've seen... I don't think... I think the one I haven't seen is Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Hmm. I'm not quite sure. I think I've seen the other two, the other okay. four, uh, but yeah. So I mean, I, I've seen all those, and I obviously haven't seen this one. Mm. Um, so they're they're kind of a, a weird anomaly, I think, in cinema. Mm. Really, the apes movies. You think? Yeah, it, just, it seems such an odd, it's like weird sci-fi thing that became popular. Yeah, it should have stopped at one movie and somehow yeah. became a franchise. Yeah, I, I mean that it, Fox then thought was worth doing again. Yeah, I mean it was. A, I mean originally we're was, ignoring Tim Burton, by the way. Yeah, we yeah, completely ignore that because it was rubbish. Um, there was a. Uh, it was a French novel originally, mm. um, and it. I think you know it's like one of those. The Planet de Singe. Yeah, pretty much, um, <laughs> and, and so it's kind of. Uh, yeah, it's kind of one of those weird things because thinking about all of the the great sci-fi novels that were around at that time by people like Isaac Asimov and mm. Arthur C. Clarke and mm. Robert A. Heinlein, uh, you know, and later Philip K. Dick, mm. and you kind of think, why was this one picked? It just seems very, very odd, and and also kind of like, I, I, just, I think somebody just walked into a Hollywood meeting room, slammed their hand down on the table, and went, "Monkeys on horses, fighting Charlton Heston." Oh no, it's just kind of, and someone went. Money. Yeah, I, I, I just can't. I don't know how they got Charlton Heston in it. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, one of those yeah. If you walk into a room and say we're going to make a film, 
Yeah. Where you're a spaceman, you go to a planet, and it's completely popularized by apes. I would imagine it's populated, populated rather than popularized. Yeah, I don't think they made it that attractive no, and popular. No, it was populated by apes. I just think, why? Why would he say yes? Mm. I don't know. But it's people intriguing. say yes to strange things. Yeah. Well, um, maybe because uh, I've seen those. Uh, maybe I'll pitch you the original Planet of the Apes uh, uh, in in the future and see what you think of that. Because. Mm. Um, that's, that's of one of those. That's one of those classics that I've never got round to. Of which yeah. there is a list as long as my arm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's one of those movies. that's just kind of like, um, like I say, it's a bit of an an, an anomaly. Yeah. You're just kind of. Yeah. Not quite sure how. That's, it got no, made that's an interesting thing. Yeah, I should watch the original Planet of the Apes for the first time, having seen this. Yeah. And you should watch this for the first time, having seen some of the original Apes movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we can see how it all kind of in a fits way. Together. This kind of—I don't know if this kind of undermines the original, but I don't know that's a discussion to have once I've pitched it to you and you've seen it. I think. I think um, even uh, apart from that, mm. it's a great standalone movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's sort of certainly the impression that I've got from what I've heard people say about it. Mm. So I'm really keen to watch this. Actually, I, I think uh, it'll be good. Excellent. Um, we'll move on to my pitch for you this yes. week. And I'm going to try and give you as bare minimal information as possible. Because Good. Because I think it's one of those movies that is an experience rather than okay. um, <laughs> All right. Uh, it's called A Town Called Panic. Aha. And it's um, a Belgian film based mm. on a series of short cartoons. Um, it's animated... Actually, technically, it's not a cartoon. It's it's a paper mache animation. It's stop motion, isn't it? Stop yeah, motion, yeah. yeah. But um, not in uh, not Ardman style. No, it's uh, it's the same people who made the the Cravendale Milk ass, right. isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I have seen clips of this film. Yes. I was at a movie event where we were shown bits of this wacky yeah. upcoming yeah Belgian movie. And they screwed up the aspect ratio of the projector and right. cut the subtitles off the bottom. Yes. So I have seen approximately 10 minutes of this film with no subtitles. Yeah. And that didn't matter. It had 500 people in the audience howling yes. with laughter for the full 10, 15 minutes. I watched this film because I, I was initially going to pitch you another uh, 70s movie. Ooh, I love. Surprise. Yeah, um, from 1971 again. Right. <laughs> so I've got another Pattern. two or three of those to go. Um, and then uh, I started watching it. I thought, actually, I'm not in the mood to watch this. And I know if I'm not in the mood to watch it, I won't write good enough notes to give yeah. it a good enough pitch. Yeah, I as know much that as I love well. it. Yeah. yeah, as much as I love it, I just know that you know. I, and it's one movie that I think I want to give it my all. Okay. Um, so my wife and I just looking around on the streaming services and then just came across this and I put it on and we watched it three times in three days. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. Um, it just had us in fits of laughter from beginning to end. It's, I mean, it's properly mental. Mm. Um, the plot doesn't really matter that no. much at all in this sort of thing. Um, there is so much detail in it that mm. you know you can rewatch it that many times and get more and more stuff out of it each time. Um, it's really absurdist. There's some just very strange stuff in it, mm -hmm. um, which I absolutely love. Yes, you know I love the fact there's a conversation between two horses over a telephone and it gets interrupted by a donkey doing a drum solo. <laughs> <laughs> so you know you, this is the sort of film it is. It just it really does make me laugh. Um, and, you know, my wife and I live in the country and now we can't go past a horse without going, bonjour, cheval. <laughs> um, 
Um, Scarred you for life. Yeah, so it actually made us go and find on YouTube the five-minute shorts from the Mm. original series. And the first ones we found were in English. Mm. And it wasn't nearly as good. So we found all the ones in the same episodes in French, but they didn't have subtitles. And like you said, it didn't matter. Because you can just get what's going on. Mm. But having said that, there are some scenes in this, but particularly the first party sequence that Mm. you'll see, where some of the dialogue is absolutely brilliant because of the way it's juxtaposed to the situation Mm. um so it's one of those things that for on a visual gag level there's loads Mm. but there's also some great stuff in the subtitles as well so um you know it's it's worth kind of really paying attention um but just have fun with it I wouldn't. I wouldn't bother making any notes until the end. I mean, it's only just over an hour long. Sure. So if you need to watch it again to make some yeah. notes, then it's quite easy to do. Um, but yeah, I absolutely loved this, and I, I really want to get hold of the full series on DVD, but I don't think they exist, which okay. is a real shame. Marvelous. Well, this is something I've wanted to watch since I saw yeah. that madcap ten minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just oh, it's so ridiculous. It's so brilliantly funny. Excellent. Really, I'm looking really forward to. It, yeah. I'm looking forward to it very much. So. Shall we do the plugs? Uh, we've got to do another section that we've Ooh, been promising we people. we do. Yeah, okay, all right. Uh, time for the uh, pitch to the people. Uh, let's leave a gap here just in case I decide to put in some kind of fanfare or something or maybe one of our colleagues beatboxing. Okay. And uh, pitch yeah. to the people. Yeah, so basically... Um, a few people have asked us. I think Debbie was one of them, actually. Um, this was yes, this was kind of born out of her review on iTunes, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, we've we've always thought it'll be a real shame that there's going to be a lot of movies on this podcast we're not going to cover because we both really love them. Mm. Um, as stupid as that sounds, exactly. when you just say that as a sentence. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's just kind of like, well, there's no reason to cover them because it doesn't suit the format of the show. Yeah. And Debbie kind of highlighted it in, in a review she put on uh, iTunes for us. Uh, Incidentally, everybody go to iTunes and give us five-star reviews. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we came up with this, somehow named The People's Pitch. Um, which it was Pitch to the People, but sure, whatever. Well, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> the People's Pitch is when they pitch us. Okay, right. So this is Pitch, pitch to, to the, the People. people fight, and People's, people's pitch, pitch is when they pitch when, us. There's no possible way we could get those two items confused. <laughs> no, not at no. all. Okay, so this Pitch to the People, which will be the first one. Uh, we would do, There's been a few movies that we've been thinking about to do for the first one, mm. but I think we've picked a real winner here. Um, this is a film that whenever I mention the title to anyone, I either get two reactions. Mm. First one is, I love that film. And the second one is, I've never seen it. Mm. Um and the film we're going to talk about is The Princess Bride uh, from 1987, the Rob Reiner movie. Quite possibly, thinking about it on balance, quite possibly my favourite movie of all time. I have to say, it is right up there for me. You can't, I'd, as you said, I'd never come across anybody who doesn't like it. No, I, I think this, like you mentioned earlier with Planet, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, it kind of ticks the boxes for everybody. Mm. This genuinely does. Because Absolutely, it's, oh, completely. It, it's a complete family movie that will engage absolutely everybody and i think it will engage absolutely any everybody of any age range Mm. because it references lots and lots of things um it's a it's a classic fairy tale really Mm. at the heart of it Mm. um told in a very interesting way 
It was written by uh, William Goldman, who wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Marathon Man, Misery, Chaplin, A Bridge Too Far, All the President's, All the President's Men. Men. Yeah. You know, he's got a fantastic Hollywood pedigree in terms of a scriptwriter. And this uh, film was born out of him reading his or making up stories for his two daughters. Mm. And one night he asked them, what, what do you want a story about? And one said princesses and one said brides. And then he'd start telling the story and they were like, every time he told it, they'd be like, no, no, skip to this bit. Mm. Skip to the bit that I like. Um, so he kind of came up with this format for a novel, which was he had found an existing novel written in the 1600s or whenever it was, and then has abridged it, taking out all the boring bits. Yeah. And then that has now been translated into a movie. Mm. And it's a grandfather reading to his grandson who's sick in bed. And we should say it's... Uh it's Columbo reading to the kid from one, the Wonder Years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Peter yeah, Falk yeah. and Fred Savage. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, at first the kid's not that interested in a, fa- in a fairy tale. Um, but the grandfather reads it nonetheless and he gets hooked. And I, and it's just such a fantastic film. It's one of those things you can't you can't get to the end without having a massive smile on your face no. for whatever reason. Absolutely, yeah. Whether it's sword fights... Yeah. Romance, Andre the Giant Belly able to say his lines, yeah. uh, Peter uh, Cook as the oh, uh, yes. marriage, yeah. as the as the vicar, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got a, a plot synopsis here, which just basically says it's a classic fairy tale with sword fights, giants, an evil prince, a beautiful princess, war, torture, weddings, miracles, and a Spaniard. Yeah. Uh, it does indeed contain all of those things. Yeah. Um, it also contains possibly the greatest sword fight ever committed to film, I think. One of them, for sure. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it is, I, uh, and it's all done by Carrie Elwes and Mandy Patinkin. Um, Patinkin, not Patemkin. That was a battleship. Never, I can never get his name right. Um, you know, they, they studied fencing for months and months and months to pull off that. Uh, supposedly kind of like every moment they were on the same set that wasn't in front of the camera they were practicing yeah, and yeah. they had uh, legendary swordmaster Bob Anderson yes. kind of overseeing it all yeah. I believe the only bits they didn't do mm-hmm. were each character has a flip yes. in the fight and yeah. they that was the only bits their stunt doubles did yeah they just uh, some sort of a mini tramp isn't it I also found out how they did the left handed I am not left handed stuff really yeah they did the entire sword fight right-handed and flipped and did it. half of it in a mirrored set okay interesting i i only found that out the other day ha <laughs> that's fantastic it's not really giving much away it's no. a famous moment in the film yeah. where they they are fighting each other left-handed and yeah. um wesley who's carrie elwes traps mandy patinkin who is uh uh or is it the other way around? Who gets trapped first? I'm One of them gets trapped sure. first and says, oh, you know, you're a very capable swordsman, but I know something you don't know. I'm not left-handed. And swaps to his right hand and they fight on, yeah. like, left hand to right hand yeah. for a little for a short section. Yeah. And then the other one says, he gets the other one trapped and says, well, I know something you don't know. I'm not left-handed either. <laughs> and then they continue the sword fight right-handed. Yeah. The whole scene is, like, is maybe four minutes long. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty long scene and it holds it up yeah. all the way. Um, there's just some. I mean, there's some dazzling dialogue. There's some fantastic. It's, it's eminently quotable. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is an absolute feel-good movie. Um, and there's there's just so much in it. So what we'd like is if if anyone can get hold of it to watch it, 
watch it let us know what you think if you haven't seen it if you have seen it already and you love it or even if you hate it yeah find somebody out there that right there's a certain number of people who listen to the show every week yeah by the law of averages you'd well averages on any movie there must be somebody who doesn't like it if you yeah, are the one yeah. person in the world that does not like the princess bride let write in and tell us why yeah because because I'm genuinely interested to hear from yeah, you. Yeah, me too. I honestly have never found anyone who doesn't like this movie. And, and um, we haven't even touched on the cast, no, really, apart from Carrie Olwes, Mandy Patinkin, Andre there's, the Giant. Yeah, there's uh, Chris Sarandon, Christopher Guest, Wallace Shawn, uh, Robin Wright, uh, Peter Cook we mentioned, Mel Smith, uh, Billy Crystal, Carol Kane. I mean, it's just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. It really is. It's, um, there's some... Uh, it, just a great movie really yeah. good feel good movie so let us know what you think absolutely new segment over so are you doing the plugs or am I I can't reach the sheet oh you sod right now I can reach the sheet you've had enough of doing them each week you can start doing intros then okay fair enough alright okay uh by far the fastest way to get hold of us is on Twitter. You can follow at HYS Podcast. Uh, send us stuff. Yeah. Preferably cake. I don't know how cake works on Twitter. We're also on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash have you seen podcast. Uh, our blog, our sporadically updated blog, yeah. uh, is bit.ly slash HYS Podcast. Uh, I'm going to try and update it a bit more, but time has kind of gotten away from yeah. us over the last few weeks. Yeah, we've been rather busy. I need to do link dumps again. I'm going to try and do a link dump for this show. Yeah, I, I would like to post some Town Called Panic stuff once we do the review, because okay. that's the sort of thing I don't think... It's going to be difficult next week, because I don't think you can fully explain some of what goes on in that okay. movie without seeing it. All so right. we might have to figure uh, some stuff out there. Uh, and finally, if uh, tweets or Facebook and blog comments aren't just aren't enough space for you to say everything you need to say, then uh, we also have email, which is hyspodcast at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. We should do our customary thanks. Uh, thanks to Upbeat Productions for their uh, warm, cozy, fully featured studio. Yep. Uh, and thanks to Alexia Mum, who is our technical wizard and guru. And without him, our ramblings would not be appearing in your ears. No, not uh, at all. I'd like to also uh, apologise to Adam Stevens, who was our guest yeah. on the uh, original version of episode 17 that yeah. unfortunately may not see the light of day due to no. technical errors. But we're working on ironing out those technical errors. Absolutely. Uh, and as soon as we can work out how to adequately record three people without it screwing up, we'll get Adam straight back on. Absolutely, we will do. And also, you know, we're working on a couple of other ways to mix up the podcast and a few uh, new ideas. So we hopefully we'll, we'll be mixing up a bit soon. So keep listening. Indeed. Uh, That's it. Uh, Have a wonderful week and um, have fun storming the castle. I was going to go and never start a land war in China (laughs) or in Asia. (laughs) Yeah.